and welcome to the September 25th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skern, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. Declarations and briefs continue to be filed in federal court for and against imposing a preliminary injunction halting the implementation of newly adopted SB 1160. This new law provides for a stay on lien claims filed by indicted medical providers until after their case has been resolved. Dr. Eduardo Aguizola, who is facing multiple counts of insurance fraud filed by Orange County prosecutors, is the lead plaintiff in this case. He claims that Labor Code Section 4615 violates the procedural component of the Due Process Clause because it immediately stays all liens without a notice or a hearing. The defendants responded that Section 4615 affords sufficient due process because plaintiffs still have the same rights afforded to them by the workers' compensation scheme generally. The DIR filed a 117-page declaration of workers' compensation chief judge Paige Levy that articulated how lien claimants subject to 4615 have rights to due process under the new law. And indeed, Judge Levy attached several illustrative cases on the stay law that have been decided by either removal or reconsideration by the WCAB. Essentially, she pointed out several panel decisions that have held that any lien claimant who asserts they do not fall subject to the stay have the right to have their argument heard and decided upon filing a DOR on the issue. Any work comp judge that had refused to hear their arguments was overturned. Judge Levy pointed out the statutory and regulatory provisions that allowed lien claimants to challenge the application of the automatic stay to their individual cases. The plaintiffs were given time to rebut Judge Levy and then filed a brief and many declarations accordingly. They argue that now the plaintiffs have a fair chance to reveal what is occurring in the California Workers' Compensation Courts and to address the seriously misleading declaration of Judge Levy, or so they say. They say Judge Levy offers only anecdotal references to a handful of cases to support the state's claim that workers' compensation judges are providing due process to claimants affected by Labor Code 4615. They say Judge Levy's declaration is wholly refuted by the detailed declarations submitted concurrently with their brief and is contravened by the DIR and the WCAB's own publications, guidelines, procedures, manuals, recent public admissions, website, and press releases. They further argue that the regulations providing procedures like petitions for reconsideration and petitions for removal are inapplicable because they arise only after the court has issued an order. However, they claim Section 4615 stays are imposed not by judicial orders, but by clerical actions performed in a back room and distributed to WCAB judges typically by flagging the liens on the EAMS system. Plaintiffs attach numerous declarations by lien claimants who portray the situation for them quite differently than does Judge Levy. One of them was from attorney Marty Renetsky, who started and ran medical collection companies for six years and six medical clinics for Dr. Floyd Cord from 1981 through 1983. 
He also started and ran Vista Bay Medical Group until 1991, started and ran Golden State Auto Appraisal Company for seven years, and currently runs Crestview Medical Collections. He says, for example, that American Allied Diagnostics Medical Group Incorporated has taken all steps to appropriately document and pursue its liens. This includes filing liens, paying activation fees, and appearing at all relevant hearings. Yet, he says, its liens ended up on the state liens list, although they have not been charged with any crime to his knowledge. They were never given official notice of this, and he says they have no procedure to contest this status. He does not say, however, that any petition for reconsideration or removal has been filed or rejected, so he does not specifically show how Judge Levy was wrong, or how the procedure outlined in her declaration does not work for this lien claimant. Federal Judge Wu may make his ruling on a preliminary injunction at this next hearing this week. Three Laotian correctional officers, Va Li, Travis Her, and Pao Yang, allege they were subjected to racial and national origin discrimination, harassment, and retaliation by their employer, the County of Fresno, and its employees. The three filed a FIHA suit against the county while simultaneously pursuing their workers' compensation remedies. Prior to commencing the FIHA action, each plaintiff filed a workers' compensation claim for psychiatric injuries arising from the same discrimination, harassment, and retaliation. Lee testified in the workers' compensation case that he was subjected to racial discrimination and harassment when his requests to swap shifts with other officers were denied. He says he was moved out of his regular assignment and repeatedly reassigned to the main jail, and his sergeant referred to him as the Swap King, which led to teasing by other officers. But work comp judge Jeffrey Sims found the denial of Lee's swap request was not a discriminatory action and was made as a good faith personnel action and the reassignments were due to business necessity and were not discriminatory. He ordered that Lee take nothing by way of his application. The second plaintiff, her, in that case, work comp judge Thomas Heslin found that her did not sustain industrial injury to his psyche and ordered that he take nothing as a result of his claim. In response to a petition for reconsideration, the WCAB found that the action of her's supervisors were also good faith personnel actions that were taken in order to provide for the best and most effective staffing at the jail. In the Yang case, work comp judge Dominic Marcelli found that Yang did not sustain a compensable injury as well to his psyche and ordered that he take nothing by way of his application. Marcelli determined the county's actions were lawful, non-discriminatory, and done in good faith. Yang filed a petition for reconsideration which the WCAB dismissed as untimely. Then in the civil FIHA case, the county moved for summary judgment based on the doctrines of res judicata and collateral estoppel. It argued the workers' compensation decisions barred plaintiffs' FIHA claims. The trial court granted summary judgment and the Court of Appeal affirmed in the unpublished case of Val Lee et al. versus the county of Fresno. 
An employee who claims to have been discriminated against or harassed in the workplace has a choice of remedies. A claim may be made under the FIHA or under workers' comp. Here, plaintiffs elected to pursue both remedies, and the workers' compensation claims were resolved first in the county's favor. The case is analogous to the 1972 Supreme Court case of Busick v. Workers' Compensation Appeals Board when the Supreme Court concluded res judicata barred the workers' compensation action. In sum, plaintiffs had one primary right, their right to recover for an injury caused by discrimination, harassment, and retaliation in the workplace. Two alternative forums were available to them to redress the injury. Plaintiffs proceeded first with their workers' compensation remedy, even though the standard for recovery under FIFA may have been broader. The workers' compensation decisions are now final and binding. When two tribunals have jurisdiction and neither party objects to the jurisdiction of one or the other, then the first final judgment from one of the tribunals becomes conclusive and renders the same issue res judicata in the other court. A California federal judge dismissed a fraud claim in a medical malpractice suit accusing a QME orthopedic surgeon of botching a man's knee replacement surgery and fraudulently concealing an infection. The partial summary judgment was in favor of QME Dr. David Jupina and his practice group, Tri-Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Group Incorporated, in a suit brought by William Dennis McCann. McCann accuses the providers of botching his total knee replacement surgery, which resulted in a bacterial infection that ultimately required corrective surgery and replacement of the artificial joint. The judge said that McCann's fraudulent concealment claim fails since the patient did not prove that Dr. Jupina knew that McCann had a deep tissue infection. He knew only that he had a superficial infection that was treated with antibiotics and no test result told Dr. Jupina that plaintiff had a deep tissue infection. A fraudulent concealment claim requires that the doctor has a duty to disclose certain facts and the judge said the claim fails without evidence the doctor had knowledge of those facts. The suit was filed in June 2016 and seeks more than a half a million dollars in damages. A jury trial is set for November on the remaining negligence claims. Dr. Japena joined the Tri-Valley Orthopedic Group in 1998. He performed surgery at Valley Care Hospital, San Ramon Regional Medical Center, Hacienda Surgery Center, and Pleasanton Surgery Center. The DWC lists him as a QME with offices in 10 locations in Northern California. And now our crime report. A federal jury has convicted a physician assistant who worked at a Fountain Valley Medical Clinic on federal drug trafficking charges for writing prescriptions for dangerous and addictive narcotics without a medical purpose. 32-year-old Caitlin Fuang Nguyen of San Jose was found guilty of 10 counts related to the illegal distribution of oxycodone, methadone, and alprazolam. The trial jury heard evidence that four patients died of drug overdoses after obtaining prescriptions from Nguyen. Just prior to the jury trial, the doctor who oversaw the clinic 
was sentenced to 70 months in prison after pleading guilty to two counts of illegal distribution of a controlled substance. 66-year-old Dr. Victor Boone Huat Sue of Laguna Beach admitted to illegally prescribing oxycodone, methadone, and alprazolam from his clinic. According to court documents and evidence presented during Nguyen's trial, Sue and Nguyen issued prescriptions without a medical purpose in exchange for cash and insurance payments. According to a brief filed in relation to Nguyen's trial, many of the patients had red flags in their patient files indicating they were abusing their pain medications and should not have been given prescriptions. Despite having a license to write prescriptions herself, Defendant Nguyen usually used a prescription pad pre-signed by Dr. Sue, which was not a lawful practice to prescribe addictive substances. Nguyen will face a statutory maximum penalty of 140 years in federal prison when she is sentenced by next January. A third defendant in the case, 31-year-old physician assistant Than Na Pham of Fountain Valley, pleaded guilty to conspiracy to distribute controlled substances and is also scheduled to be sentenced next January. This case is a result of an investigation by the Drug Enforcement Administration, the Fountain Valley Police Department, and the California Department of Justice. Prosecutors say a local San Diego sheriff's deputy who claimed he had suffered a back injury has been charged with committing workers' compensation insurance fraud, resulting in $57,000 in losses. 40-year-old Matthew Tobolsky faces 14 counts, including insurance fraud, filing a false claim, attempted perjury, and failing to disclose information that affects a payment. According to the district attorney's office, Tobolsky claimed in January that he had injured his back from lifting two five-gallon water bottles. But an investigation initiated by the sheriff's department indicated Tobolsky had misrepresented his physical condition and what he could or could not do. Authorities said Tobolsky told medical professionals that he was suffering from debilitating pain and was unable to do light duty on the job. But the investigation revealed he was able to work out with weights at a gym. The sheriff's department investigated the case with help from the State Department of Insurance and the District Attorney's Office Insurance Fraud Division. The California Labor Commissioner's Office cited 14 garment manufacturers and contractors, $372,000 for labor law and garment registration violations. The businesses cited employ 170 workers in the Los Angeles Garment District. The penalties included nearly $276,000 in fines and stop orders for seven employers operating without workers' compensation insurance coverage. Fourteen businesses were cited $34,000 for garment regulation violations, including failure to register as a garment manufacturer, display the garment registration, or maintain required records. Investigators also confiscated over 5,700 illegally manufactured garments with an estimated street value of $103,000 from six of the businesses. The Labor Commissioner's Office is also pursuing wage theft investigations on those employers who failed to pay proper wages under the California Labor Code. 
The Garment Manufacturing Act of 1980 requires that all industry employers register with the Labor Commissioner and demonstrate adequate character, competency, and responsibility, including workers' compensation insurance coverage. Garment manufacturers who contract with unregistered entities are automatically deemed joint employers of the workers in the contract facility. Clothing confiscated from illegal operations cannot be sold and will be donated to a nonprofit agency that will provide the items to homeless and domestic violence shelters in the Los Angeles area. The Labor Commissioner also administers a special wage claim adjudication process for garment workers pursuant to the law passed in 1999. This law provides not only an expedited process for garment workers to file wage claims, but also provides a wage guarantee when garment manufacturers are responsible for wage theft at their contractors' facilities. And in regulatory news, the head of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration said on the 8th that the agency is working on a new policy that would encourage more compounding pharmacies to register with them under a law enacted in the wake of a deadly 2012 meningitis outbreak linked to one such company. The FDA commissioner made the comments as federal prosecutors in Boston prepare for the second criminal trial over contaminated steroids manufactured by the now-defunct New England Compounding Center. That meningitis outbreak sickened 778 patients nationwide, including 76 who died after receiving contaminated steroids. After the outbreak, Congress passed the Drug Quality and Security Act of 2013, which aimed to bring more compounding pharmacies under the authority of the FDA rather than state pharmacy boards. The law created a category of outsourcing facilities that could register with the FDA, allowing them to sell products in bulk to hospitals and physician practices without prescriptions for an individual patient. In exchange, those compounders would have to follow federal manufacturing standards and subject themselves to routine inspections. Today, around 70 firms have registered as outsourcing facilities. According to the American Pharmacists Association, there are about 7,500 pharmacies that specialize in compounding services. Under the 2013 new law, compounders that did not register with the FDA would remain under state oversight and, according to the agency, could only compound drugs based on prescriptions for specified patients. In order to encourage more compounders to register, the FDA will release draft guidance in the next two months. This guidance will reflect its intention to adjust its enforcement priorities based on the size of registered compounders and the riskiness of their products. Pharmacists have long mixed, tailored medications for patients based on individual prescriptions. By 2013, the practice had mushroomed with some pharmacies selling thousands of doses of regularly used mixtures for physicians to keep for future use. The FDA has been criticized by groups like the American Pharmacists Association, which has said the federal agency has been overstepping its authority to regulate state-licensed pharmacies. 
That criticism has focused on the FDA's position that the 2013 law requires prescriptions for specific patients, restricting pharmacies from distributing drugs to stock doctors' offices for their uses, even if allowed under state law. The FDA commissioner said he stood by the FDA's interpretation of the law and that he expected no slowdown in terms of its enforcement. But he said the new guidance would help address concerns from smaller pharmacies that want to do just that but have resisted registering as outsourcing facilities because of the expense of regulatory compliance. The draft guidance would allow smaller firms creating low-risk drugs to be subject to less onerous requirements than larger outsourcing facilities. The DWC has suspended six more medical providers from participating in California's workers' compensation system, bringing the total number of suspended providers to 38. The DWC Acting Administrative Director George Parasato issued orders of suspension against the following providers. Jeffrey Campu and Landon Melegro of Yorba Linda, who were co-founders of the medical equipment company Aspen Medical Resources, MRI Diagnostic Facility Elite Management, LLC, DBA Elite Diagnostics, and an MRI Services Company, Regional Medical Services, LLC. Campo and Milegro pled guilty in Orange County Superior Court in May to medical insurance fraud for their involvement in an overbilling scheme in which they defrauded insurance companies of more than $70 million. Along with their co-defendant, Campo and Milagro agreed to pay over $8 million in restitution to several insurers and self-insured employers and to voluntarily dismiss liens of nearly $140 million in the case involving Aspen Medical Resources. Simon Hong of Brea, a medical clinic operator who in October 2016 was found guilty by a federal jury in Orange County of 19 counts of health care fraud, illegal kickbacks, and identity theft involving a medical program was also suspended. Also suspended was Chi Hong Yang of San Gabriel, who pled guilty in Kern County Superior Court in August 2013 to conspiracy to commit insurance fraud involving, among other things, billing and obtaining payment for services not provided. Yang surrendered his physician and surgeon's certificate earlier this year. Also suspended was Rafael U. Chavez of Rancho Cucamonga due to revocation of his certification as a physician assistant by the Physician Assistant Board of California in June 2014. Also suspended was Wendell Wenneker of Napa, whose Physicians and Surgeons Certificate was revoked in June by the Medical Board of California. The DWC has posted an order adjusting the hospital outpatient departments and ambulatory surgical centers section of the official medical fee schedule to conform to changes in the Medicare payment system as required by Labor Code Section 5307.1. The Hospital Outpatient Department's and Ambulatory Surgical Center's fee schedule update order adopts the following Medicare changes. One is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, Medicare Hospital Outpatient Prospective Payment System, 
known as HOPS. October 1, 2017, Addendum A, Quarterly Update. Also, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Medicare Hospital Outpatient Prospective Payment System, HOPS, October 1, 2017, Addendum B, Quarterly Update. Also, CMS Ambulatory Surgical Center Payment System, October 2017, ASC Approved, HICPICS Code and Payment Rates, Column A, entitled HICPICS Code of October 2017, ASC AA, and Column A, entitled HICPICS Code of October 2017, ASC EE. The order adopting the OMFS adjustments is effective for services rendered on or after October 1, 2017, and is posted on the DWC website. And in other industry news, a 2013 startup, Zenefits, is a San Francisco-based company whose business model was to provide online HR services to businesses and then encourage those same businesses to use Zenefits as an insurance broker, selling lines of insurance needed by HR departments. The company was started by funding from well-known gurus such as David Sachs, who made his first fortune as an early executive at PayPal, then a second fortune as the co-founder of Yammer, a social network for businesses, which he sold to Microsoft in 2012 for $1.2 billion. He then became an early investor in Uber and SpaceX. Zenefits launched in April 2013 through startup incubator Y Combinator, Within eight months, it was on track to make about $1 million in recurring annual revenue. It moved into a high-rise in San Francisco's Soma District and expanded from fewer than 20 people to roughly 500 employees, many on the sales side. By the end of 2014, Zenefits hit its $20 million recurring revenue goal and was making good on its promises to shake up the insurance brokerage business, but very soon Zenefits ran into some snags. The Utah Insurance Department banned it from operating in the state because the agency considered the free HR software to be in violation of a law against offering rebates to consumers. Still, Zenefits kept growing. By the middle of 2015, it was serving 14,000 businesses and in the process of hiring more than 1,000 additional employees. But in November 2016, the California Department of Insurance announced that the enforcement action taken against Zenefits for multiple insurance broker license violations resulted in a $7 million penalty. Zenefits was charged with allowing unlicensed employees to transact insurance and circumventing insurance agent educational requirements. This was the largest penalty assessed by any commissioner against Zenefits and one of the largest penalties for licensing violations ever assessed in the California Insurance Department's history. Shortly after the California investigation began, the company announced publicly that they were not complying with insurance laws and regulations. This was followed by the resignation of Benefits CEO Parker Conrad. The 2016 settlement agreement obtained by the California Insurance Commissioner included a $3 million penalty for license violations. 
a $4 million penalty for subverting the pre-licensing education and study hour requirements for agent and broker licensing, and a $160,000 payment to reimburse the Department of Insurance for investigation and examination expenses. Zenefits has been investigated and fined in other states for similar compliance issues, including Texas, Massachusetts, Tennessee, and Washington. In July 2016, Zenefits reached a settlement with the Tennessee Department of Insurance and Commerce, agreeing to pay a fine of $62,500. And the Texas insurance regulators have fined Zenefits $550,000 for its past use of unlicensed health insurance brokers. Jay Fulcher, the former CEO of Oyala and Agile Software, has now ultimately been appointed its new CEO. Since then, Fulcher has been trying to reorient Zenefits into something that's seen as compliant and business-friendly, and away from the chaotic culture that it had under the prior CEO, Parker Conrad, who has shown the door. Fulcher and the company have come out this week with two big announcements. First, the name is not going anywhere while the brand gets a makeover. And second, that it's getting out of the insurance brokerage business and leaving that up to new partners. By doing that, Zenefits hopes to become an all-in-one HR tool for small businesses while leaving insurance brokerage deals to partners. Initially, Zenefits will partner with One Digital an employee benefits company, as it starts to expand to partners with more regional and local brokers that have expertise for various companies' needs. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skirin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.